We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 361. It's Monday morning after the Dodgers series in the middle of this seemingly never-ending West Coast trip. What's up, Scott? What's up, man? We only have, uh, what, Seattle now and uh, just a number of more of, of more 10 o'clock games. These, the, we at only least we got, a little, we got a reprieve for, uh, over the weekend, I feel like. that was uh, Sunday Night Baseball was actually a good thing this week. 
Yeah, Sunday Night Baseball is 7 o'clock instead of 8, although I don't know if you saw this on the schedule. I noticed this randomly. They're moving back to 8 after Labor Day for some reason. I guess when, when school's back in session, they can start it back at 8 p.m., but when no one's in school and it's summer vacations for everyone, they're going to start it an hour earlier. I just don't, I just don't get it. I don't know. It probably has to do with the prime time TV schedule and all that other crap. I don't know. Maybe it's an A-Rod's contract. He's like, I got to be in prime time, and that starts at 8 o'clock. Yeah. He don't, well, <laughs> A-Rod, they, they don't want too many kids listening to A-Rod, so they got to put, put it later in, in the night. Yeah, I mean, it's not like he says anything bad. He just says dumb things. We got A-Rod all weekend because he, he popped into the Yes booth on Friday night. Yeah. He was... Um, you know, I, for the first time, someone was asking me if I was if I was listening on uh, on Sunday with the sound off because I have done that in the past. And uh, it one, I don't I don't like doing that because it, it feels weird. Okay, but I sometimes just do it because it's you know I really get bothered. It's annoying to me. Um, but I just I, I think I'm numb at this point. I think I'm numb. I didn't even tweet about it this He's time. Finally, beating you down. I just I just well, we've got I can't handle had- it. There's just too many things for me to say. I would be just like just typing throughout the entire game. We've had a lot of A-Rod and a lot of Sunday Night Baseball games over the last month because they played the, Yan- the uh, Yankees and Red Sox played twice in, in a matter of seven days on Sunday Night Baseball, and then we had this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, look, they, uh, they come out with some victories, though, and it's a lot more tolerable for me. So that's, that's the big thing. I mean, we saw pitching, baby. We saw pitching all weekend. They beat the Dodgers at their own game. Yeah. They pitched well the entire series. Uh, and it's not just the Dodgers series that we're going to talk about because – you and I recorded before the last game in Oakland, which, w- which did not go well. And Tanaka did not pitch well. But after that, it seemed like Paxton Paxton stepped up. He realized the importance of that game. He realized the importance of not continuing that losing streak, which was at four games, which was, I believe, their longest losing streak all season. Correct? To say that, that, he, that he realized that it's a big game and realized that he has to stop sucking would, would in, infer that he's had control of it beforehand and was able to like, Oh, I'm going to stop sucking now, but maybe not. I'm just going to wait a little bit longer. And then, you know, the Dodgers series, a lot of headlines. I'll start then. Like, that's realize what... not the right word, but, <laughs> but finally had some self-respect for himself. <laughs> finally was tired of losing. Although he has been pitching well his last couple of times out. He's been pitching very well. I mean, we, we, the... we've, we've seen some rough first innings occasionally. still, but uh, you know, it's almost like every other start now has been okay in the um, the beginning of the game. The Red Sox game at Yankee Stadium. So he got hit by the Red Sox in Fenway and then pitched against the Red Sox at at Yankee Stadium. Give up that two-run home run to J.D. Martinez in the first inning, and we're all losing our shit again. And then then he's been good since. I mean, he was phenomenal. I know we're going to talk more about this. But watching that, uh, I had a fantasy football draft that night live in person. Did you take Andrew Luck? I did, actually. (laughs) <laughs> but I but I also took him in like the ninth round, so it, it didn't hurt that bad. You see OJ Simpson upset that he took Andrew Luck. Yeah, I'm, I don't I don't really want to feel wrong that OJ Simpson is like out there on social media. Yeah, like I don't want to see like that. A normal person. Uh, yeah, and I, and there's other guys in the room like drafting a team with him. Like I'm not doing that. I'm sorry, but I, I don't really want him to be on there because I don't want to see it. I just don't. And some people were joking about the fact that that video went up and, like, that's why Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck heard that OJ drafted him and was like, mm-mm, I'm done. Like, this is not going to be on my shoulders. I'm out. Which would make a lot of sense. Can't win that man a championship. Yeah, no, I cannot win that man a championship. I can't feel good about that. I don't know what he's going to do with that money. But, so, yeah, the uh, 
it was I, I watched most of the I, I had the game kind of on in the background but really wasn't paying as much attention but watch, uh, watch all the video and stuff afterwards and um man he was he was impressive he was he was uh, a lot of fun to watch pitch that night yes and uh gonna break it all down a couple things to just mention quickly uh details for the august 31st event right around the corner t-shirts i know people have been tweeting out the t-shirts we are savages in the bronx they look awesome so Keep an eye out for your T-shirt. Scott's holding it up to the camera right now, which we will maybe post that clip, maybe not post that clip. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, the exciting thing, though, for this event, unlike the the last few for the, for the season, we're going to be at Billy's, um, and there's going to be uh, Blue Point Brewery is going to kick in two 16-ounce cans. Scott, you're holding up your arm. Like I said, something incorrect. Nope, I'm just going to give all the details on that because I, I think I have some. Uh, different that I haven't even told you yet. Um, Blue Point is sponsoring the, our friends at Blue Point. We have um, we, we've been working with them, and they're going to be sponsoring the pregame. Now we're going to be at Billy's. Um, we're really excited about this. First of all, just the the um, the fact that they're they're jumping on board with the uh, with the event. I think it's going to be an exciting thing for for all of us. Uh, but yeah, to everybody who has already purchased their tickets, like you're just getting extra now, which is awesome. That's always that's always fun when you buy something and then more things happen with with zero extra dollars. So you are getting, uh, you'll get two drink tickets for, uh, they'll be good for two 16 ounce cans at Billy's. The, that's the pregame. So breakfast beers guys, like this is a one o'clock game. This is the game that it's, a, it's important for you to get to the pregame at 11 o'clock because that is, uh, we'll, we'll probably be there, uh, until like 1230 or so. And then, and then head over to the stadium. Um, uh, so we can get into our seats for first pitch. But yeah, to the, the the savages in the Bronx T-shirts are major, a lot of them have already been delivered. Uh, they went out pretty early this year. Or this this uh, event, which I'm very excited about, no stress on my end, which is cool, for pretty much the first time off season as far as the T-shirts go. Um, but that's good. And uh, and then what was it? oh yeah, so we're gonna be upstairs. This this is a little different too. We're gonna be upstairs in the Billy's VIP area. Once you go into the bar. Um, go up the only stairs that are there and we'll be outside on like that party deck and uh there's, there's, there's two, two stairways two, two flights of stairs it's like go all the way up to the second deck in the main warehouse looking area yeah and um we'll be up there and the, by that by that outdoor bar um probably over to the left hand side so uh, look for us we'll probably have a check-in station so we can get you guys checked in give you give you your drink tickets um and then people who uh, purchased their their ticket after our t-shirt cutoff um get there at 11 again because we what we do is we we print out uh you know extra inventory for anybody who signs up after that date and then we'll give it to you uh at the game if we have it otherwise we'll have to get it to you uh in the in the next run when we uh when we ship the next batch of shirts so i'm i'm, I'm pumped up for this uh you know we have a, a lot of people coming and uh gonna be the final one and one other detail about bp crew stuff playoff playoff tickets like you got to start thinking about it right now because uh i had a conversation with with uh, our people over at the Yankees late last week, and we are talking playoff tickets. And again, like I told you guys before, we're doing playoff. We're doing some playoff games. I don't know exactly which games we're we're going to be doing, but we're doing them. Probably one per round is the is, is what's in my brain right now. Um, but everybody who's come to an event, you guys have the priority for these tickets. Uh, and, and I'm probably going to be announcing this later today or tomorrow, like when the games are uh, that we're going to be doing and what the deal is. And you'll. We'll put out like a, a list for uh, everybody to sign up on, so that you can get to it, and uh, and we can we can email when the tickets are available. Um, but yeah, we're shooting for a good chunk of them out in section 205. First of all, this is the best way to go. If you if you've gone to an event, 
I, I would I would look to uh, to get tickets through us. One, it's going to be fun, uh, and two, you know, we're we're going to be able to get to lock in the um, the pricing basically now. Uh, and what the way that the playoff tickets work, it's the sliding scale. So as the tickets sell out, they get more expensive uh, as the days go on. So you're probably not going to get a better deal uh, for the. You will not get a better deal for for tickets if you buy them later, especially if they hit the third party market. They're going to be outrageous. Um, but yeah, so keep an eye out for that. And, um, you know, the, I'll put out a link for a, uh, a new email list for that guy, but tomorrow, today's Monday, tomorrow, Tuesday, final day to buy tickets for the 31st event. So if you're interested in these playoff tickets, you got to be on this uh, BP crew list. If you are, if you're not already on it, because that's, that's who we're sending them to. And more information about tickets, giving away tickets, legends suite for legends suite. We're partnering with Indochino. Uh, to give away four Legend Suite tickets for Monday's game, Labor Day, against the Rangers. It's four tickets to Legend Suites. Many people say Legend Suite is the best place to sit at Yankee Stadium, better than the suite level. Uh, you get the whole buffet. Everyone loves that buffet. Crab leg, sushi, all the whole, the whole nine yards. Um, so check out our Instagram page and our Twitter page for details on how to enter that contest. Again, four Legends Suite tickets to Monday's game. It's an afternoon game, Labor Day, 1 p.m. against the Texas Rangers. You'll, fee- you'll see on uh, social channels how to enter those contests. And we'd much prefer someone who doesn't know how to act go into those. Uh, those, those yeah, the riffraff that Lon Trost doesn't want to see in there, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm, the majority of the people that listen to this, I think, are part of the riffraff. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll, we'll put in he some good people. He doesn't want the plumber sitting next to the banker? <laughs> no, not, not, that, not that plumber. Not that plumber. Uh, all right, let's just go through these games, uh, you know, from Thursday through the weekend. And I think the weekend, there's a lot to talk about, especially in that Saturday game. But as it stands now, the Yankees and the Astros have the exact same record. The Yankees are a game in back of the Dodgers. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I can't not laugh at Scott's attempted to change his shirt, put his shirt on over another shirt that he has so he can wear the We Are Savages in the Bronx shirt. I yeah, I did successfully do it. You could you could have you could have been smooth through that, you know. But I, 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 see, I was looking at my notes and then I look back to the camera <laughs> and there you are just like half in the shirt, half out of the shirt. Um, I'll have to just screenshot that or something. But the Yankees are a game in back of the Dodgers for best record. They do now have the tiebreaker, which I think is I think it could be important come come playoff time, come uh, October World Series time. So we'll see. But it did not look good going into that series because Tanaka, like we said, it was a, it was a important start for him to not make sure the Yankees didn't get swept in Oakland. And he's another pitcher who struggled on the road. You look at his home road splits. I feel like we mentioned this for every single Yankee starter. Tanaka has a 3.26 ERA in 85 and two-thirds innings pitched at home. He's allowed 11 home runs and 16 walks. And then on the road, 64 in a third inning, 6.58 ERA, 13 home runs, 20 walks. So more homers, more walks in 20 fewer innings pitched on the road. I, I don't understand what it is. Herman, same thing. Paxton has bad home road splits. We know Sabathia has bad home road splits. What is it about every single one of these Yankees pitchers that struggles on the road? Yeah, I mean, the numbers are there for sure. The until you go to Dodger Stadium and uh, and then you pitch out of your minds and every one of these guys pitches well. I mean, you don't get the length from Sabathia that because nobody you don't expects expect it. That's the length, not what we're looking not, for for him. Yeah, it, yeah. but he's a, another one of those bucket four inning guys. Um, but you know, I don't know. Let's just figure it out now, and that, that's what I like to see. And that's what's happening. So there's no answer for that. There's no answer for that question. It's a it's a loaded question because it's it's easy to say that you go on the road, you're not as comfortable, you're not as familiar. 
And, and that's why. And maybe it is as simple as that. Who knows? Maybe it is as simple as just being on the road and not being um, 100% feeling good at home. Got to believe that there's a, a, another level of confidence when you're at home, uh, unless you're Sonny Gray and you're or a guy that like, cannot handle being in New York at all. And then you go on the road and you're really good. You know, Guys like that just don't need, don't need to be in New York. Um, so I'm glad that these guys pitch well at home. That's a good thing. Uh, and, you know, this weekend, again, we saw James Paxton, guy who struggled on the road, dominant performance. Sabathia pitched well. Um, and then and then Herman comes out, first, first, uh, first pitch, boom, and then very good from there. No, I mean, there are starts there that you can have positive takeaways from the road, but the large sample size I guess the, the best Yankees team in baseball. are much more comfortable at home on the mound. And I think then you, you start to look to the to getting home field advantage in the playoffs and how important it is to have an extra game each series at home. It could be the difference between winning a series and losing a series for the Yankees. Absolutely. There's no doubt about it. I mean, it's, it's not just the, um, it's not just the, the pitching. I mean, the, the offense clicks at home. We, we've, we've talked about this. We've all seen it with our own eyes when we played Houston and, and uh, uh, it's just important to be having that extra game at home. It's just that much more important. And I think they realize that they really do realize that. And the fact that they're they're trying to take advantage of it. I mean, you hear things about uh, again, man. Judge being outspoken in a lot of these things. Judge being outspoken about the fact that they got their butts kicked in Oakland, had a bad taste in their mouth, and knew that they had to bounce back on Friday night. They knew that backs against the wall. You know, that's the mentality. That's the the thing that they were thinking about. The fact that Aaron Judge is being that vocal leader as well and talking about it. Um, I, I like it, but they know they know that they are uh, you know that this home field advantage is an important deal. Boone said we got punched in the mouth right here in Oakland. That yeah. was his quote after the game, after the sweep in Oakland. And it was really the pitching for Oakland that shut the Yankees down. They allowed five runs in 17 and a third innings for their starting pitchers, which is not supposed to be the strength of that team. They have a good bullpen and they hit home runs. Sort of a classic 2019 baseball team are the Oakland A's. But they pitched to a 260 ERA, their starting rotation did, uh, against the Yankees in that series. And Oakland's one of the hottest teams in baseball in the second half. They seem to do that every friggin' year. And I don't know. You might just write them off because it's another Billy Bean team, and Billy Bean teams never succeed in October, but they're playing very well right now, and they're going to face them again this weekend at Yankee Stadium. So it'd be, it'd be, you got to pay back. you gotta, you got to return the favor to what they just did to you at home. No, absolutely. That's, that's, uh, that's why I'm really happy that we, we have this series for our next event on Saturday. It's going to be a big game. You know, it's going to be obviously one game into the series, but um, the fact that they did what they did in Oakland, the Yankees do have to say, okay, you know what? Like, no, this isn't going to happen. First of all, you're not going to get that many home games um, against us because you are going to be playing in the Bronx. And let, let, let us show you what it's like to play here. Because you may have beaten us while we were there, but that's not really what's going to happen in the playoffs. If they see them, because they, they would be a, a wild card team. But they, I mean, Oakland could win the, a wild card game just as much as anyone else. Sure. I think. Yeah. Um, the and be honest. I'm just, what are you I'm just so happy we don't have to. I'm really happy that we don't have to talk about that game, the wild card game. Yes. Yeah. I so I do like the wild card game from a. I don't like it being in it. No, no, no. From a baseball fan perspective, I think it's a fun thing, and I've been to the last two of them, 2017, 2018. They're a hell of a lot of fun to be at. Oh yeah, it's a game seven. But it's uh. Yeah, you're right. It's just fun to not have to worry about that. After a long season of working your ass off, both them and us, and all of us watching, it's in, it's, you have to endure this season, right? And the fact that it's one game 
It's 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 just it's kind of a kick in the balls. Yeah, if you lose, if, <laughs> right? If, well, even if, if you, you win, you're setting yourself up for for you know for hardship. Be honest though, uh, going into that Dodger series, facing off first game against Ryu, then you got Sabathia pitching in game two, and then you're facing Kershaw in game three after getting swept in Oakland. You can't be feeling very positive. I mean, you're definitely not feeling positive after what happened in Oakland, but. This this team has just showed so many times that they can turn the corner, and uh, and have that, you know that that fighters that fighters chance the uh, the the you know the the mentality of a of a closer, just forget about everything like nothing matters. What happened behind you? You got to look in front and just go after it. And when when there's big games and a lot of and a lot of attention to this team does seem to shine like they like that. A lot of like we we talked about a lot of guys. A lot of Cali guys on this team, like they were practically at home. That was practically a homecoming. Like it wasn't ma- quite Angels level, but it was a lot of Yankees fans. No, no, no. In- I mean for the players. The majority of our players oh. are from California. Right. Like a ton of no, them. Not majority, but Yeah, no. Go around the go around the diamond. There's a lot of guys. Sabathia, Judge, Stanton, who wasn't playing. Boone Boone's Still a Cali there. guy. Yep. T Wade, LeMayhew. T Wade. Yeah, he was there, wasn't he? <laughs> uh where wait, LeMahieu? I thought he's from he's from California. Yeah. Why did I think he was Colorado? I know he plays in, in Colorado why, and you don't why like Why did him? I think he's from from Colorado? Cuz he has freckles and you dismissed him. Anyway. This typical Yankee t- typical 2019 Yankees though, they do the opposite of what you think they're going to do, where they score 7 runs off of Ryu, who's been the best pitcher in the National League. He allowed seven earned runs in his entire season so far at Dodger Stadium. He allowed seven earned runs to the Yankees on Friday night. I mean, it's fitting, is it not? Isn't it, isn't it like the now you have some competition? Now you're not beating up on the NL East, or the NL West, the terrible NL West, and who we've actually lost to quite a bit. The Diamondbacks were thorn in our side, but um, yeah, you get some you get some uh, offense on this side. A little bit a little bit of. Uh, American League offense coming in, you know that's uh, that's that's shaping themselves out. We have some uh, even it's not even our our A lineup either. I don't even know what the hell that is anymore. But a um, lot of lot of lot of lot of big bats in there for Ryu to to figure out. Yeah, and you at first they scored a couple on solo home runs. Judge pulled another home run, so they, I know he hit an opposite field home run on Sunday night. But there was a point where he hit two consecutive home runs to left field. Ooh. So a little little sabermetric stat for you. Over that span, 100% of his home runs were pulled. <laughs> I mean, he's doing exactly what I thought he was going to do. He's going to go on a freaking unbelievable run toward the end of the season. The guy is Four just homers f- on the road trip so far. Just figuring himself out, making sure that he is going. Alexa is talking to me right now. Um, apparently, I said something to cue that. The, uh, but yeah, going on, a, on an unbelievable streak, figured out these mechanics, got his timing down. Pretty much Boone is just like saying everything I've been saying for the past month, and it's all happening. So, so, I, should, yeah, so I, sh- I should be on staff, basically. Okay, well, what is Boone saying? That his timing. Saying? No, he's just talking about the, the, the fact that, the, that he got, he's gotten his timing down. He, that, that A swing is now complete. He's finishing the move where before, you know, the, I think there were some mechanical issues and he got into some bad habits going to right field constantly and not to say that that's a bad thing because he hit a freaking laser over the right center field wall on a curveball that was that he just waited and waited and waited and waited and then bat speed took over and he it looked like he was sitting curveball which he never sits curveball oh see i think i i think that he was sitting fastball and adjusted to that ball 
and that's why he uh you know he was able to hit it to right field that that's that's kind of what i saw on that swing but either way the swing was beautiful i mean that's just one of the uh, of an unbelievable i can't even say enough about that piece of hitting i i absolutely love that swing but that's him man. like his timing is there and, and the the big bodied athletes these guys they just take longer to get their mechanics right because they're they have so much more to move to get that um, to get that muscle memory down and to, and to repeat those mechanics over and over again. And that's what you have to do to be consistent on the major league level. We really haven't seen a, an, uh, a really hot tear from Judge since 2017 because 2018, he was good the whole time, but he never really got super hot. And then he had the wrist fracture, which messed up his entire second half of the season. And by the time he came back, it was basically time for the playoffs. So it was just about getting his timing back like we're talking about right now. And then he he did play well in the playoffs. But 2018 was just sort of like a very good, very, very, very good, very good, and then injured and then get healthy again. And then this season, it seems to be the same as 2018 where he's just trying to get back to uh, himself. So if we're going to start seeing a hot Aaron Judge now for the rest of the season, that's massive. That's so huge because we haven't seen it for over a year. And just think about how much better that makes the rest of the lineup too. When you have a guy in there who's, you know, the most feared baseball, uh, most feared offensive player in baseball at that point. You know, him and Trout most likely. But you're looking at those, the handful of guys that are on that list, and um, it just makes everybody around you much better. I mean, you're going to get better pitches. You're going to see Sanchez getting better pitches, and it's just a, it's a, it's a very, very good thing to see. And I think this was the first time actually since 17 that he hit three home runs in, in consecutive games. Back to back to back, belly to belly to belly games. Yeah. So getting getting hot, doing it in bunches. One to each field, left, center, right. What what he's spraying it around the diamond. Aren't we are we we need to to um to talk about that Aaron Judge segment. I feel like we need to do it right now. What's oh, what awesome thing did Aaron Judge do? Well let me tell you. Hit three home runs. Well, no, that and he guaranteed a home run. He went uh, yeah. went out before the game, met with um a bullpen catcher's dad, I forget the guy's name. Uh, bullpen catcher's dad, who he had obviously had uh, had seen around the park in the past, has a relationship with the bullpen catcher. So went up, said hi to the uh, to the older gentleman, and uh, at the end of the conversation said, "You know what? You know what, kid? I'll get you one tonight. I'll get you one tonight. Just I'll being, try." He said, "I'll try and hit. I'll, I'll no, no. no he said, I'll try and hit one. No, I'll hit no, one no. for you." Yeah, do, do, all right. First of all, no. What great thing did Aaron Judge do? He guaranteed a home run. He said, I'm going to, I'll get you one tonight. There was no, I'll try to get you one tonight. He said, I'll get you one tonight. Aaron Judge doesn't try to do it. He says he's going to do it. He does it. It's like, uh, it reminds me of the Paul O'Neill Seinfeld episode where the kid asked for a home run and Paul O'Neill said, okay. And then he says, can you hit two, two, two Mr. home runs? Mr. Two, two, Mr. O'Neill. So maybe a uh, judge in Seattle will promise someone two home runs. If he's a man of his word, if he wants to, if he, if he's about to get hot, he needs to go out there and he needs to prove that he can hit two home runs in a game. And what better way than to do it than to promise it for some kid who just loves Aaron Judge and wants to see him succeed. You're going too far with this. He just guaranteed a home run. He did it. That's it. It's over. Are, now, are you uh, so you're a sucker for the guaranteed home run or the call your shot home run? I'm not a sucker for it. I mean, if it happens, it's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm all for that. I'm definitely here's here for the that. thing. Here's the problem I have with the um, uh, clip before. It's, the, it's, cl it's shocking that you have a problem with this. I just no, gotta say it's shocking because I bet that this happens every day. A player meets with some fan before the game and promises them a home run every single day. 
And nine out of 10 times, it doesn't happen. And we don't know about it because the clip doesn't go on social media because they didn't hit a home run in the game. The only reason we know about it is because Aaron Judge hit a home run in the game, which is awesome. And the fact for that fan, he will remember that for the rest of his life. Aaron Judge talked to me before the game, promised me a home run, and then delivered. But maybe Aaron Judge promises someone a home run every single day. No, he does not. He does not do that. He, uh, he only does it when he knows he's going to hit home runs. You know, I hate to be the voice of reason on this show, but you force me to do it sometimes. It's really not the voice of reason. It's just, it's, a, it's the wet blanket is what it is. It's the, it's the wet blanket on a beautiful, a beautiful moment between an older, an older baseball guy who's been around the game forever because you know he was, his, his, uh, his son played ball for literally his entire life. Bullpen catcher now with the Yankees. You got to love that. Aaron Judge goes out there, plays with being respectful to this, uh, to the dad that he's met in the past. And, and you know what? He's like, you know what? I'm going to give this guy a home run. I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do that for him. And he you does mentioned, it. You mentioned judge being one of the most feared hitters when he's going right. Uh, definitely true. Bellinger is also one of the most feared hitters in baseball. The Yankees pretty much dominated him yeah. all, all series. He didn't do anything. Uh, Paxton, I thought ate up the lefty hitters in the Dodgers lineup on Friday night, Bellinger, Muncie and Seager. Um, I believe only reached base once uh, over Paxton's six and two thirds innings. He struck out 11, only give up two runs. Uh, it, it was the type of Paxton that we know he can be. And this is sort of the frustrating thing about James Paxton is that we know he's capable of dominating one of the best offensive lineups in baseball. So then why do we see him go out there and struggle, look like he can't pitch through a first inning, look like he's missing his spots, giving up home runs. So, so sort of that is the frustration of Paxton where he shows it, but then he can't do it consistently. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not like it's to a point of like a Michael Pineda type thing where he's showed it occasionally and then you see it as, as, as rare as a, no, as he's a, not as a Pineda quite type that guy. inconsistent, no. <laughs> he's not close to that. He's not, he's not that guy. But I mean, and, and as of late, you know, over the past month, Paxton has been very good. And when we're seeing, again, you look at that, that ERA, which is, which is wild. When you look at his first inning ERA and then the rest of his game, uh, it's just a very telling stat in, in, in how this guy just needs to figure it out, get over that, that first inning hump. When he goes one, two, three uh, against one of the you know, better lineups in baseball uh, on Friday night, you're like, okay, here we go. All right, let's do this. And he just dominated from then on. Like the cutter was really good. Uh, the fastball up in the zone to lefties, phenomenal. I mean, he made Bellinger look stupid. He really did. He made him look like uh, a guy that was just not a very good batter. Uh, he set him up and, and just and laid him out. It seemed like in every at-bat. He struck out, what, three times on Friday night, right? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it's just when you go out there and you dominate the, the best player on the team, one of the best players at baseball, and, and you're, you're the guy that everybody's expecting to do that and you back it up against one of the uh, against the best team in baseball I mean that's huge that's huge so I what I'm the way I see this right now because that's where I am we're right now or I'm not in the past I'm, I'm, I'm in I'm in today today land and in today land Paxton has really been very good over the past what four or five starts he's a guy who's been putting it together and now is we're it, seeing good Paxton who did he start previous before the Dodgers start um Cleveland he um he pitched against Cleveland, and it was not great. It was not right? great, but he, he didn't have his good stuff, gave up some runs, but then also gave up, I think, runs in like the fifth inning too, but yeah. just kind of battled through it, kept the Yankees in the game. And again, as David Cohen talks about all the time, 
like his some of the some of the best starts that they're most proud of are the ones they go out there don't have their best stuff but keep them in the game and, and battle through and I think that's kind of what we saw on that so and if you're looking for just things to get excited about it's that Paxton pitch well against one of the best teams in baseball and then Herman went out Sunday night and pitched well against one of the best teams in baseball two starters who are absolutely unequivocally going to get a start in the postseason. Yes. This is not like, okay, we can look at Sabathia and say, oh, he only gave up a couple runs over four innings. Great. Sabathia is not pitching in the playoffs. And if he pitches in the playoffs, it's not going to be in any meaningful capacity. Unless something, so, unless something is, is a, okay, sure. occurring. Because, cavi- yeah. Put a caveat on and everything. But we're not looking to for at Sabathia to carry us through playoff series. No. We're looking at Domingo Herman, and we're looking at James Paxson and Masahiro Tanaka. And then whatever we can get out of Severino plus an opener right. as the fourth starter. So the fact that Herman went out there and outdueled Clayton Kershaw also is huge. And um, he gave up the first home run, first batter of the game, home run, matches what DJ LeMahieu did to start the game. And it sort of like presses a reset on the game. But from there, Herman locked it down. He had uh, Gardner get him out of a, a, st- a tough situation with a nice catch in center field. Otherwise, he was lights out. And that's another thing where it's like the opposite of what you in your, what should happen happens because Herman in the bullpen outduel Clayton Kershaw, Mike Ford comes in because DD gets hit with a pitch and has to leave the game, and lefty on lefty Mike Ford, who's basically a journeyman minor leaguer, takes Clayton Kershaw deep. That's more, an under, that's an understatement. That thing was a shot. So it's more stuff that you in your brain should say this should not happen. It happens. So we don't see Clayton Kershaw all that often. I mean, I can't speak for everybody. I don't know how many Dodgers games that people are watching, but I'll speak for myself. I don't see Clayton Kershaw pitch very often. When I do see him pitch, it's usually in the playoffs. Yeah, usually. I was just going to say that. So I, I watch all of his playoff starts. Yeah. So, but he's, you know, document, well documented for having struggles in the playoffs in the past. I'm just not that scared of him. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know what it is to say, but I, I've seen him hit. I've seen him be hit. I've seen him be very good. I've seen him be very good, but I have not seen him take it to that next level and be like the guy that's scary uh, in, in huge games. I just, I, he just doesn't do that for me right at this point. And probably yeah, because I, it's, well, so it's, I haven't seen him enough. He's and, no longer the same pitcher anymore because he's living in the low nineties. He used to throw in the mid to upper nineties with his fastball. Like James Paxton. He, yes. Okay. <laughs> just, um, I mean, I'm just saying it's a fact, but Kershaw, I mean, he, he pitched seven innings and gave up three runs. I yeah. mean, if, if, if Yankees pitcher gives us that, we are over the moon excited. We are praising him. It's a standing ovation on Yankees Twitter if a guy, if a starting pitcher for the Yankees goes seven innings. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that he's not a good pitcher. He's a very good pitcher. I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not that uh, dense to understand that and realize that. But what I'm telling you is, he does not put the fear of God in me as some postseason pitchers have. As if some it's a World Series that. matchup and Kershaw's going up against uh, whoever for the Yankees, you you feel confident the Yankees can sort of pull like what you, they used to do against Pedro, and they're not going to crush him. But at the same time, it's going to be a close game, and they can win those games. I'm, I'm feeling much better going in against Kershaw than Pedro. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Pedro was a big game pitcher. So Kershaw does have an uh, a kind of unfair playoff reputation. That's fine. It's still in my head, and I'm sure it's in the batter's heads because he the the reason people say he sucks in the playoffs is because he hasn't been as good in the playoffs as he has been in the regular season which in the regular season he's like hall of it's hall of fame worthy one of the greatest pitchers in the history of baseball good in the regular season and then he kind of is just 
good in the playoffs. Right. Yeah. Well, so people say, oh, in the regular season, he pitches eight innings and gives up one run. And then in the playoffs, he pitches six innings and gives up two runs. What's wrong with him? It's not even that. It's, it's not the, it's not even like the, it's, it's the, it's the mentality. It's the thing that I'm just not scared. You know what I mean? Like there's some guys and that, that's because of his reputation. If, if right. he had, but okay. So you that, would be that's more a good scared. Thing. Would you be more scared in a, in a situation, say Madison Bumgarner got traded to, I don't know, Minnesota twins this year. Yeah. And Yankees and twins are playing in the division series. Madison Bumgarner starting game one. Would you be more afraid of Madison Bumgarner? Yes. Even though he's not as good of a pitcher right yes. now as Clayton Kershaw. Yes. So it's a hundred percent reputation. Absolutely, it's it's not it's not it's also what you've what have you done? Uh, Madison Bumgarner has won the World Series and dominated. Okay, but the Yankees also pounded him earlier this year. That's fine. I, I just I you know I've seen it, so I know it's there. That's what I'm saying. I've seen it. I know it's there somewhere. Might come back tonight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, quickly on Didi, so he left with that shoulder contusion after he was hit by the pitch. X-rays were negative. He is day to day. Another guy, day to day. I waited to talk but, about, but that's Saturday. good. Good news that it's negative because he got had taken out of the game. It was stiffening up, like all these things, yeah, and it looked it, was, it looked like it, it could be something. Like it, it, you know, sometimes those contusions go all the way through, and you have like a you hear a, of a fracture at some point. So hopefully, it seemed to catch mostly it, just meat. It looked like it did. It looked like it hit so, like the meat of the shoulder. He's probably going to be sore today. There'll be a bruise. He's not going to play on Monday. Maybe he even he'll sit Tuesday. But I'm not worried about this being a DL situation. I feel like we've seen this in the past where they've said it's a bruise, bruise, and then all of a sudden, like, uh, it's not getting better. And all of a sudden, they okay. start going to these MRIs, and they're like, oh, why is it not getting better? Because now it's the swelling has gone down, so now we can see the fracture in the bone. So, but that's for guys like Aaron Hicks or Giancarlo Stanton. That is not for Mr. <laughs> that Didi is Gregorius, true. Didi is a cyborg who, on Players Weekend, painted his own cleats. I love that. So, uh, yeah, I'm not worried about Didi going on the uh, IL. But and we, waited, we we're, we're talking about the uh, the Players Weekend stuff too in a little bit. We got a lot. Of yes. things. I got things to say about that. I waited to talk about that, and I waited to talk about this ninth inning on Saturday, yes. which was a complete cluster. Right. And I know we're going to spend a lot of time on so. Let me first say, I think the Yankees got screwed. I think Glaber Torres should have been allowed to score, and it should be a tie game. But that doesn't really excuse the fact that the Yankees had bases loaded with one out, Talkman and Sanchez up. And all they needed was a fly ball from Talkman, and it's a tie game. So even though the Yankees got screwed here, and it was I a bad at bat. They, a bad at bat. By Sanchez Talkman. was a bad at bat, too. Yeah, Talkman was a horrible at bat. They, they should have. So those are situations in the, in the playoffs. You need to come through with a fly ball to tie the game. Right. Because there's been a lot of umpires versus the Yankees this year and the umpires screwing the Yankees. And this was, I don't even want to say the umpires were screwing the Yankees. This is just umpires being incompetent because Max Muncy is out there at second base after Gardner's slide. And he even admits I was embellishing. I was pulling a soccer move. Like it certainly hurt, but I wasn't that injured. He's writhing around on the ground in pain. Looked like he's trying to win a freaking Oscar. And then the umpires are just standing there with their thumbs up their ass. Glaber Torres, you see Kenley Jansen kind of put his arms up uh, once he sees Muncy rolling over at second base. The umpires do nothing. Glaber Torres starts home. He gets a third of the way down the, the baseline, and then the home plate umpire puts his hands up. It's like you, can, you cannot stop play when things are happening on the diamond just because someone's rolling around in, on the field. What have, I use this analogy. Okay, a ball's hit to center field. The center fielder falls down, trips, breaks his leg. He can't get to the ball. 
Umpires aren't going to put their arms up and be like, hey, everyone stop. Uh, it's a good Samaritan rule. No one can run from the bases because someone's in pain. Like, no. Ball's in play. You play until that ball's picked up or thrown by another guy. It's a different scenario in the sense that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back and forth on this one. I, I don't think they got the call right. When you're in the infield, the ball is in your glove and you're on the infield and the play at that bag is, is, um, is done at that point. It's different because you they, you can call time at that point. Like if he put it, if 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 he goes to the ground and immediately puts his hands up, they could grant him time immediately right then and there. But that's not what happened. But I'm I'm saying you're comparing it to the outfield where that doesn't really happen. You have to get the ball in still. The ball is already in the infield. I'm, I'm more talking about a play in process. The play is in when the umpire called timeout. There was a play in process because Glaber Torres was down the third baseline. Yes, I know that. I I understand that. But I'm saying that when. I've seen that comparison a hundred times with the outfield and the infield. It's just a different scenario because the ball's on the infield and, the, and you can call time at that point because the ball is controlled. The play, the play is controlled at that point, especially where the, where the ball was. The fact that Glaber kept running was, was missed. They missed that. They missed and where he was. People also don't seem to understand the fact that a player calling time does not mean there is timeout. No, it's got to be granted. This is not the NBA where a guy just puts his, uh, the T formation in his hands and then play stops no matter what. Like, Umpire has to give you timeout. Absolutely. I mean, they have to do it in, in every sport as well. Just like you got to everything. You always have to be seen to call timeout. If you're not seen and you're not granted, then it's not timeout. That's it. I mean, the, the umpire's got to throw their hands up. Everybody knows that. You stop until, those, until they call it. I'm and sorry. You, you continue until they call it. So uh, I, 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 I just think it was another example of umpires this year doing the wrong thing on the field. I guess you you um you cited a uh, a Twitter feed a Twitter stream. Yeah, I some Dodgers Twitter account, uh, Dodgers fan Twitter account, tweeted me uh, a rule, and it, it's basically there. There is a there is a place where there's discretion. The there's yeah. discretion. That that is because I think the umpires can weigh on discretion Wh- whether they called it immediately or it was because of an injured player like. They're calling time, obviously, because of an injured player. That's the reason they're doing it. And if that's the case, um, you know, I don't know, even if that's a reviewable play, if you're able to go back and see where Glaber on the, is on the base path, because I'm not sure that matters, or if it's reviewable. Probably not, I would think in my head. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those plays where if you look at the video replay and you're looking at when the hands go up, he's probably but maybe a, a third of the way down the line, a quarter of yes. the way down, third of the way down. But there's obvious intent. To, to continue to go to, to third base or to home plate. So the umpire didn't see him, maybe? Because I think if he saw him running home, maybe he doesn't call time. I, I don't know. Maybe he still does call time. Because the rule that I was tweeted basically states, and we all knew this, once an umpire calls the play dead, no no players can advance. We know that. But that, So that's the thing. Like He could call it dead at, when the runner is going and then say dead on the, on the injury, runner back at third. Again, I think it's a discretion play. So the, the bottom line is, I don't think he was aware where Glaber Torres was. Didn't realize that, the, that um, you know, Glaber, I think in his brain, and, I, and again, I'm just playing advocate, devil's advocate, trying to get into like where the umpire was thinking on this as well, just to see the other side of it. But I think what he's thinking in his brain is that runner started moving when he realized that the guy was hurt, right? So, and, 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 <clears throat> yes. and, and because of that, he's going back to third. Yeah, so the umpire after the game said, I called timeout because Jansen put his hands up to call for time, which did happen. But that happened the first time 
when Glaber was still on third base bag. And then it wasn't until Glaber was a third of the way down the line before the umpire granted him timeout. So he waited a good two to three seconds after looking right at Jansen and him putting his arms up. So Jansen put, the, put his hands up when Glaber was on third. or, or, or On right third, the- on third, and then he put his hands down. And then Glaber gets a third of the way down the, the, the line. Yeah. Umpire puts his hands up, and then Jansen puts his hands up again after the umpire puts his hands up. So, again, I, I think it's one of these discretion plays. Like, so while I was watching it real time, I was, so, I was, more, I was really looking at the play at uh, real time. I, don't even, I didn't realize how far Glaber was down the line. Uh, and I'm seeing the play, and I'm like, they're going to call a dirty slide. I'm like, I'm waiting for them to screw it up. I'm waiting for them for, to, to call something. Like, he was safe, but they're not going to call him safe. Like, how are they going to screw this up? Wasn't expecting them to screw up the other side of it. Yeah. And, and, but the thing is, is like, I, I didn't feel, I don't think I, I did not feel as cheated as I think a lot of people did in that play because, because I do think that umpires do have discretion, whether it's the correct or not. It's still part of the game at this point with, um, with human elements, whether they saw that guy or didn't. Like, that's when the, you should huddle and talk, talk to the third base umpire and say, hey, where was he when time was called? Maybe the third base umpire saw the Jensen put his hands up immediately. You know, home plate I know controls the game, so he's the one who's. Uh, but but third base could have could have seen something different that he did call for, and they could grant it to him at that point, say, citing the injured player. Um, did you see when they first huddled before they went and, and put the headphones on? You could see them pointing at each other, like, "Did you call time? I didn't call time. Did you call time?" Yeah. And then and the home plate umpire was like, "Yeah, I think I called time. I, I think I did that." Yeah, like they're they're just confused. Well, I, I mean, like it's also it's also we have the we also are looking like I I want to shit on the umpires as much as the next guy I really do because it's been it's been really bad this year. Uh, this is one of those plays that is so bang bang and again maybe I'm wrong with the review if you can review when a guy is where he is on the base path compared to where the time it just seems very arbitrary and, and practically no, impossible. I'm not saying to, that should be reviewable. No, but I'm saying I don't even think it is. But either way, at that point now you're now you're talking about like real time, very quick scenarios where a guy is what the intent of that runner is why he's going when did he run did he run because he saw the guy on the ground flopping around did he run did he did he stop running um things like that so i think the conversation was probably like did you see him stop did he commit to go around did was there a turn was there a um a hesitation to go home was that was that play fluid did he continue to run no he stopped and then ran like I think all of that probably happened and and if that's the case like they made a decision based on what they saw in real time and um I mean it was a pre- pretty much a lose-lose situation for them because if they call that runner in they get crucified by the Dodgers if they don't they get crucified by the Yankees I also in the moment during the game I was not super upset about it because I still felt the Yankees were in a good position to tie the game and it wasn't going to matter I thought the Yankees were going to tie that game. Yeah. And, and we're just saying, oh, that's a, another funky play by the umps. But you know what? It didn't come back to bite him in the ass. Until it did. And then the Yankees had two terrible at-bats, and it did come back to bite him in the ass. So yeah. I think I, I got, in hindsight, I got pissed off about it because the Yankees didn't do what I thought they were going to do. What they should have done. What they should have done. And that's the other thing. Like, just take care of the business. Then we don't have to worry about talking about the umpires again. I think it was actually a tough call from the umpires, honestly. Like, if you look at that, what happened in real time with the action, with the action happening at second base. Um, but, but again, this is stuff that they need to clean up because it's, it's another thing in a long line of missed. Uh, miss I, isn't the I, right don't, word. I don't think it was as clear of a miss as a lot of people it's are not saying. Miss. It's uh, confusion. I feel like there's just confusion amongst the umpires. 
Sort of like how there's confusion amongst referees in the NFL. And it seems like from game to game, there's no consistency in pass interference calls. I feel like from game to game in MLB, there is no consistency in the strike zone. There's no consistency in replay. And if it's even going to be accurate after the replay shows it, it's like, why can't we just get on the same page and know that this is the this, these are the rules. This is the strike zone. This is what replay is going to tell us. Instead, it's a friggin' mystery box every time we go into a game, and that's the frustrating thing. Well, I think for for certain plays in baseball, and, and I think this is one of those definitely uh, one of those gray area plays that's just not not clear from from one side or the other. When you have when you have to consider intent, where somebody is. On, on, on a split second, when when something is is uh, is happening in real time, and and then you have the the play being a focus area on another area, another place. And I understand that third base needs to be watching third base, like that's why you have multiple umpires. And then you you come together and have a conversation. I think it's it's uh it's probably a lot more unclear. We're looking at that like they have no idea what they're doing, but at the same time, that conversation inside there could have been very direct and very like, Hey, Hey Bob, what'd you see at third base? Did he stop? Did he have intent? Did he start moving again after the, the intent injury thing is sort of like the intent with uh, a check swing. Did the batter intend to swing? Yeah. Every batter intends to swing. Uh, at, at, like you start your swing. You're intending to swing until you don't same thing with a runner. You're intending to run to the next bag until you're not. And yeah, but I mean, you can have a clear impossible. you can have a clear pause, and then and and you can tell if a guy was gonna was gonna continue to go. You can tell if a guy's motoring around third to, okay, to go okay. home, or if, if, he's if the question is was Glaber Torres going to run in a fluid motion yes. from second base all the way home? The answer is no. Right? Obviously, you go station to station when the ball is in the infield. But what he did was look, turn to look at second base and saw Muncie doing somersaults at second base and decided I'm gonna run home. Yes, and I think that's the said. They stopped it because of an injury, I think, right? Like that's that's what I, I they they believed that there was a potential injury. They stopped it and they said because of that, that's why he went. And and for that reason, you're on third. That's yeah, that's, what, that's Muncie, what I think they were. I think Muncie is. I'm trying to put myself in a Dodger fan situation and if, like say if uh, if uh, Didi or Glaber was sort of pulled that acting move and and got a place called and saved the Yankees a run, how would we treat that? Okay, so. If I'm if I'm uh, uh, an athlete in that situation, and because they did get tangled, their feet were tangled. There's no doubt about it. Some no, I'm people, not saying he flopped, but he oh he flopped. He, fell he, down. he admitted it. No, he fell down. Yeah. He legitimately fell down. Yes, but then he squirmed. But see, then why? He said, "I oh yeah, I acted a little bit." He didn't need to. He fell down. He could have flipped the ball to the shortstop immediately if he wasn't truly injured. And then the play, Glaber's not going to run home because the shortstop standing up has the ball. I mean, that's it's a like bang, bang. unnecessary. It's like an unnecessary acting job. I don't know because I think it, once you go to the ground right there and, and the runner's going, you're going to have a hard time getting him out at home plate. So he, I think he thought in his mind that he was that runner was going to score. I got to sell this so that that so that they stop it because of injury and the play is dead. <laughs> um. Another thing I want to talk about in this inning is Didi leading off and bunting twice against the shift. So I loved it when it was a one-strike uh, count, and he just bunts it foul. And then he bunts with two strikes foul, and I'm like, I ra- that's, that's not a high-probability play anymore. So give me a full swing on two strikes, but I didn't mind it with the one strike. It should be a high-probability play. It's a sacrifice bunt. That's okay, what it well, is. He, it looked like he was trying to push bunt for a hit. Yes. He did not sacrifice bunt. Right. And th- what that is is bad for bad bad mechanics, bad uh, bunting 
mechanics not not doing the correct thing. He needs to lay down a bunt there. That's it. Not doesn't need even need to push it down the line. Like I think he was trying to get greedy by pushing it down the line and getting extra bases. Don't even need to do it at that point. Just get it down the line. Just get the bunt down, especially with two strikes. Get the bunt down. So, so if, do, if you're gonna do, you do like it with the two play strikes, or not? I love the play with. I, I think more guys should do it. I think every professional baseball player who's a position player should be able to bunt with two strikes and lay it down. If especially if there's nobody there, like it's a free play. So yeah, as a professional baseball player, he should be able to do it. Uh, you, you hate seeing it when it goes foul because you're like, that's dumb. Now you're out. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah. but at the same time, well, if you when execute I look it, at- you're like, okay, you're a professional baseball player. You should be able to bunt and and put it in fair territory, but like ten out of ten times. Okay, but knowing that he's not ser- seemingly not capable of just doing an easy sack bunt down the third base line, I don't like it with two strikes. It's too risky. I agree. If you don't have the confidence of doing it. And you couldn't do it the first time, and you're trying to do the exact same style of bunt the second time, playing pepper, not doing it well. I don't like it. Do you think that uh, Gardner's slide was dirty? No, I think he got tangled, and you know maybe he did a little. He he, he pushed up a little bit. I think he was trying to. I think he was also his hand was there in case Muncie was going to fall on him. I think there was a little self preservation at that point, but I didn't see any like egregious moves. I don't even think Dodgers fans really saw egregious moves. If you're gonna no, nit- the only reason they thought it was dirty is because Muncie f- flopped around. If you're gonna if you're gonna nitpick and go in like super slow motion and look for any kind of like little tiny movement, then I'm sure you could find something that would cause you to say it was it was dirty if you're a Dodgers fan, but it's not real time. It's not real life. That's not what happened. It was uh it was not dirty. They did get tangled. So on a scale of one to ten, how screwed did the Yankees get? <laughs> Like for this one, I'm not. I'm not even like. I, is it like a six? I'm a, six I'm, and a half. No, I'm not even there. Less. Honestly. Yeah, I'm at like a five ish. Uh, I'm definitely at like a six and. I'm a half, also. Seven. I'm also like just get the job done too. Like let's not talk. That's about why this. it's not a nine because the Yankees should have tied that game anyway. But they they definitely should. They, Glaber Torres should have been should have scored. Yeah, but. <laughs> it's, and who knows? It, 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 it was it, such a such a such a flash judgment call at that moment. To me, it was just, you know, because we have replay, because we can see in real time, you know, and slow it down and stop frame and do all these things. It's just, it's way more egregious to us afterwards and on social media and seeing everything. Like it's, it just, it just makes it that much worse. But if this play happened 10 years ago, I don't think many people would have been crying about it. No, I mean, I kind of feel like we didn't start getting these whole dirty plays at second base until the oh no no I, I mean more to like the fact that the guy was uh called injured or the play was stopped it we wouldn't have seen like how far down the line he was slow like it just it, if you're not seeing the slow motion videos of that and like we're able to stop frame it and um i, I don't know i just don't think people I mean, that's also upset. a reason why people are so upset about umpires recently is because the technology is there to show how much they mess up that's true Technology, uh, I, I actually bet umpires are no worse than they were in 1985. It's just we didn't have this whole... They're probably um, better because they're more concerned about what the technology is going to say, honestly. But we didn't have the 50 different camera angles, the high-def camera angles, the um, pitch FX location on screen instantly to know, oh, bad call, good call, bad call, good call. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. We're, all, we're all umpires sitting behind our screens at this point, so... Um, and you could do it on your on your cell phone while you're waiting in line at the gas station. Like anything can, you could do it anywhere, so everybody can watch. Right. 
And it was a it was a sold out crowd. All three games at Dodger Stadium. Maybe you guys went. Maybe you guys use SeatGeek with millions of live event tickets and a price match guarantee. SeatGeek proves there's a better way. Search sports, live music, comedy, and more. SeatGeek has the tickets you're looking for all in one place. In an industry that tre- that tends to stagnate, SeatGeek decides to stand out from the crowd. They built the fastest. Uh, they've built fastest way to find tickets, so you can stop searching for the perfect seat and start enjoying it. Uh, if you have not downloaded their app, you definitely should. There's over fifty thousand five star reviews in the App Store, so you know they've got good customer satisfaction. They pull together millions of tickets from all over the web, then they rate it on a uh, scale of one to ten to know how good of a deal you're getting. They put it into an interactive seat map with color codes from. Red to yellow to green, so you know if you're getting a good deal. I've used it a hundred times. Scott has used it a hundred times to go to all different things, including theater, comedy, Jets. All you're, that you're going to Jets stuff. games? I'm I'm going to Jets games. You're I'm Jets I'm all in, baby. I'm all in. Their social media team is doing a hell of a job too with some sweet videos. I'm 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 digging it. I'm liking the season. I'm thinking uh, Le'Veon Bell is going to have an absolute beast of a year, and I'm definitely going to get my uh, when I go up to. Uh, the stadium, I'll go to SeatGeek and use it. Uh, it's by far the fastest and the easiest way to find tickets. Uh, I do, I do, in fact, use it uh, for my Jets tickets, and I will again this year. SeatGeek is even giving you $10 off of your SeatGeek purchase, your first SeatGeek purchase. All you need to do is use our promo code. Download the SeatGeek app today and use promo code BRONX for $10 off your first purchase. That's promo code BRONX for $10 off your first, uh, first purchase. Players weekend jerseys, white on white, black on black. Uh, I have to admit, the black on black grew on me a little bit. By the end of the weekend, I think I liked, not liked, I was okay with the black on black. Because you could actually still see the numbers, you could see the names on the back. The white on white is just atrocious. It's so bad. It's, look, I, I, we, we talked about this, I commented on it when, uh, when, when I first saw the designs out there. I, I really thought it was like it. A joke the first because the, even the even the mock- like a, an onion sports article put that out that's exactly what it looked like even the mock-ups were were like a bad quality it just it didn't do anything for me at all and i've seen better versions of it i've talked about you know some some of uh some friends that i have that are designers and have put out better versions you know i i i'm probably more aware of this stuff or like keen to it because i, I pay attention to like design and sports and like all these other things and when I see what they're doing here, first of all, I understand. Let me let me get this out there. I'm not I'm not the 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 shake my fist, get off my lawn about the players' weekend and the jerseys anymore. I I don't care. I don't care about the nicknames. To me, the nicknames are dumber than the the actual like changing the jerseys. But whatever, I don't care about that stuff. You want to change it up? There's a lot of games in the season. Fine, do it. You want to appeal to a different audience? That's great. Like I I'm, I'm for that. How about we just do it well? They have the resources. They have the people, the deals in place to get these uniforms looking sweet. They could hire any designer they want in the entire world to get these things done. Baseball is rooted in tradition, and they just go out and screw it up. I'm watching replays last night. I'm watching some MLB, just like around the league, going around, just checking out some some highlights, all right, doing the sports center thing. I have no idea who's playing. No. I'm like, legitimately, I'm looking, I'm looking up, I'm like, I have no idea who's playing. I need to like zoom in, stop it, pause it, look to see who the guy is, look to see what the what the jersey actually says. Because even in motion, 
you still can't see the black jerseys either very well. You see a white outline, but you can't distinguish definitively what that what that uniform is. So you're watching essentially the entire league playing the same uniforms with no distinction. The white ones are are just a an, a, an embarrassment. You can't see what the names are on the back of the jersey. I but have no all, idea it was what like, they are. It was not like only a, do I not know they are or who they are because of the nickname. So I still now I really don't know who you are. But I can't even read the nickname to try to guess who you are. But it was like a fluorescent weird white. And I love the fact this is so perfect. It was just a different material, baseball. so you had a sheen. That's what it was. When baseball doesn't think, oh, pitchers are gonna have white jerseys on and they're gonna be throwing a white baseball, and that might be distracting to the hitter. And they had to wear black hats because the the batters couldn't see the baseball coming out of the pitcher's hands. Like, that is so typical Major League Baseball on Players Weekend to not even have that cross their mind. And then they can't even really wear the intended uniforms. They got to wear these black hats because they couldn't see the baseball. Did they not know that ahead of time? And like, was that no? That discussed? That that was was figured. It was like figured out on Friday. I didn't know that. That's that's unbelievable. I mean, look around baseball. Anybody who has a white uniform, they have a dark hat on that day. Dodgers, when they're wearing their white and how, clothes, how often they have a do blue you hat. see Yankees, navy blue hat? How often do you see pitchers getting called out for having like a really bright glove or something? Yeah, because it can distract them. Or if they have like an armband on, right? Like they get it taken off because it's distracting to the hitter when things are moving in such fast motion. Yeah, obviously it can be distracting. Um, anyway, yeah, I, it was an embarrassment. Like the, the, they really like I I don't want to be the the thousandth person to dump on these uniforms. But you know what? It's the fact that they have all these resources, the fact that they've had all this time to figure this thing out. I mean, like, what are we doing? Are we copycatting the NFL with this color rush bullshit too? Like, it's Here's that, what happened. It's stupid. But I even, even the color rush on the NFL, what they do is they wear their team's color. They don't all wear the same muted monochrome color, black and white, and then just, and then just not be able to see what you're doing. It's, 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 the foresight is insanely lacking it's just it's it's terrible here's what i my theory is of what happened the, the major league baseball has like a, a giant team that comes up with it everyone comes up with their own idea for players weekend jerseys and then they all vote to see which one rises to the top everyone submitted their own design and then when they saw white on white black on black like these aren't gonna win these are trash i'm gonna vote for this one so people other people vote for my good idea and that gets voted up the chain and then they all voted for the joke ones, the black on black, white on white. And those ended up getting placed into uh, actual gameplay. Otherwise, I don't know who approved this. <laughs> I mean, that didn't happen. But what I can... F- I know that didn't What happen. happened was someone out of touch made a decision. That's what happened. Someone out of touch said, told... It's Nike who did these, right? Isn't it Nike who made the um, the uniforms? I, I think know. whoever... Anyway, someone, someone, someone in that design brief said... This is what I want. I want black and white. Figure that out, okay? Um, and then they did a terrible job. Because like the, any designer... Look to the black and white cookie. Any respectful designer that was going to go out there and do that for any of these major brand companies that would have gone off and done their own thing would not have come up with this. I, there are way too many very good designers at these companies and people who are, are, are hired uh, as, as freelance artists to come out and design things that would never have, have done this. So this came, I think, from someone who has no idea what they're talking about, from some old-headed Major League Baseball who said, this is going to be a good idea, and then stuck to their guns, and it was a bad idea the whole way through. 
And I, people who were making him were cringing. That's what I think. I'm so happy that Terry Francona is no longer managing the Red Sox because I can get behind things he says like, what's the slogan? Let the kids play. Let the grown-ups look like morons. And then he said he didn't want to go out and make pitching changes because he didn't want to be seen in public. So I just <laughs> love that Terry Francona will just blatantly to the media be like, these are trash. And people look like morons. Yeah. I think my favorite, though, jersey from the whole weekend, I put a link in here on Twitter, was Mark Melanson just spitting in the face of the nicknames, put the phonetic spelling of his name on the back of his jersey. <clears throat> well, I think a lot of people get his wrong, too, probably. So he's, uh, it's annoying to him. Um, ha- is this going to be the weekend that ends it? Like, where we finally just say, this is, no. this is jump the shark. This is stupid. Can we not do this anymore? Because... The last couple of years, at least, it's been like, oh, they're kind of wearing, you know, spring training type uniforms, all-star weekend kind of like uniforms. And, you know, I fine. Like, some people like that. Like, these are just What they need awful. to do is they need to see this. They, Major League Baseball needs to look at what happened this weekend. Look at the um, – because a lot of people liked the black uniforms. I think the younger population liked the black uniforms. I have not seen anybody who liked the white uniforms, but I think there were a, a good amount of people that liked the black uniforms. And I will agree to the to the point that they looked better than the white uniforms. Um, oh, yeah. and, and there was a little bit more. But when you have a, a clear problem with functionality and the fact that you just can't distinguish from one player to another or one team to another, you got a problem. Like, that's bad. You have two of the most storied franchises in baseball, in sports. Thanks for bringing that up. The Yankees and the Dodgers. I brought this up for two weeks. And and you you do this. You have an opportunity for these two teams to play at Dodger Stadium. It doesn't happen very often. And we can we could celebrate it by 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 celebrating these uh these great uniforms. No, they screw it up. Could have even gone like throwback cool, cool, like modern day throwbacks. Screwed that up. Uh so, so I, they like... need they need to look at this as an opportunity and, and, and kind of like a, a uh, rock bottom essentially for what they put out on the field and make it better and, and do the right thing. See, that is like, Oh, the classic Dodgers uniform versus the classic Yankees uniform. Look, the, the baseball had an epic fail because they, they scheduled it players weekend for Dodgers Yankees. And it could have been such a success with those uniforms. They're just using that as an excuse. That's sort of like the excuse with steroids and, and kids. Like, what are the kids going to think? It's a bad example. Like that's just something they're piling on. Like if this was, if the Yankees were playing the A's this weekend, instead of the Dodgers, they still would have been trash. So don't just say, Oh, I wish I had saw the Yankees versus the Dodgers in their classic uniforms. Like I, I don't really care about that. Well, I think I a lot, that I think a lot of people uniforms. do when you're putting it on. No, that doesn't it has nothing to do with the fact that these are stupid uniforms because that's the fact. Like, that's it. But it, what it is, is it's disappointing. It's a missed opportunity is what it is. When you have two-storied franchise, I'm not saying that that's, like, a, a reason why you get mad about these uniforms. The reason you get mad about the uniforms is because they were horrible. The, the fact that the Yankees and the Dodgers were playing was a missed opportunity for baseball is what it was. Okay. Some injury updates. So, Voigt should be back this coming weekend against the A's at home. He felt good after his rehab games in Scranton. That's great news. Encarnacion is doing uh, light toss, soft toss, and taking grounders. Stanton plans to ramp up baseball activities on this road trip. Severino is scheduled to throw another sim game on the 28th. On this road trip, we got like, (laughs) we got less than a week left. Where are we? Are we ramping it up? He's smiling in the dugout. He's, he's ramping up in Seattle, apparently. That's where he's going to be ramping up his baseball activities. So instead of running running on the treadmill, he'll be running the bases or something, maybe. Oh, maybe, he's, maybe he's hitting uh, some of the mountainous terrain. Up, oh, he's going to run the mountains. He's going to uh, run the mountains. Yeah, we're going to see the like, great northwest. We're going to see clips of him running from, from, uh, from 
no snow to snow caps. It's like Rocky, Rocky Four. Yeah, he's running yeah. up, running up the side of him. He'd be going into the meat plants and <laughs> smacking some meat. Batanz uh, <laughs> is scheduled to throw his first sim game on the twenty seventh, and then uh, old friend Monty threw us through a minor league rehab game uh, Sunday. The interesting thing about all these guys is that the minor league season is almost over. Yeah, yeah. It's, they're, so they're going to have to. We're going to see a lot of sim games from some of these guys if they're not ready by that time. Look, Montgomery is is pitching. On a mound, in meaning in games that matter in the minor leagues, uh, that's a good thing. If he could show something, you never know. Like maybe he still got a month to go. Uh, I know he threw two innings. You see him ramp up again. Four inning guy, isn't that what we're we're all looking at? Four innings. So uh, you get Monty going four innings. You never know. Like I'm not saying we 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 by any means can count on him, but it's another guy that's that's ramping up that has big league experience that that um you know we've all been excited for at some point. So who knows? I'm watching him out of the corner of my eye. Uh, and Seattle to end the road trip, you got to just beat up on Seattle. They're bad. They're a last place team. Um, fun fact about them. Edwin Encarnacion still is second on the team in home runs. That's big <laughs> behind uh, Vogelback, who is bizarro. Luke Voigt. He's having a good season. 28 bombs, 120 OPS plus. But uh, when you f- go in to face a bad team like Seattle and you got to crush them so you can at least feel good about the road trip, come back home positive on the road trip. We're going to get to mailbags. Uh, if you guys want to submit mailbags, go to bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast. We had a lot of mailbags come in this week. Really talking about the playoffs. What would your ideal lineup be in the playoffs? Who would you have start game one? I refrain from answering those questions now because they're so obviously going to change between now and the end of the season. We have a little over a month to go. It will change. So I get it. That's all people want to hear about. That's all people want to talk about. But what we would say just ha- like has no it's it, we're just reacting to what we've seen through August and you can't make a decision on ALDS game one lineup now when there's still September to play and we don't know who's going to be healthy. Well, that's the problem is that you don't know who's going to be healthy. Like that's we this lineup is going to change and this this roster is going to shape into whatever the hell it's going to be in the playoffs. Um, you know, probably in the next like three weeks, we'll, I'd say in three weeks, we will we'll, we'll kind of know where we are. Um, whether guys are, are coming back and they look like they're going to be, you know, healthy and 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 get get up to uh, the the baseball activities. Like for instance, I'm looking at Stanton. Like, is he going to be into the season at that point enough where he can be feel good about his at bats? And and you know, he's at end of str- uh, spring training level at bats at that point. Like that's kind of what you're looking for if he's going to be a, a serious, um, you know, possibility in the playoffs. But but yeah, there's just so many things that happen. I think what the things that we have to look at, honestly, that are the positives is that we want to see these guys get healthy, one, just get healthy and, and stay healthy and, and continue their rehabs. And then the pitching, just continue to build and, and to, to, to grow into whatever this, whatever this rotation pitching staff is going to look like, too, because I think we're going to see some interesting stuff there, too. And that's what the first question is about. It's from Josh Lento. At Lento JT on Twitter, would any of the other playoff contenders take any of the Yankees starting pitchers? Um, and when you look at the different American League teams, Houston, Cleveland, the Twins, the Rays, and Oakland, and you look at what they have from a starting pitching perspective, the one main difference I see on all of these teams is more depth than the Yankees. And I think that is the biggest difference. Because, yes, I do think teams would take Tanaka and Paxton in the playoffs, even though they've been up and down this season. They would still like to have them pitching on their team. 
So that's not to completely dismiss all of the Yankees starting pitchers, but it's after those guys, the Yankees have huge question marks. And you look at Houston, they have the big three, and then they have Wade Miley, Aaron Sanchez, and Brad Peacock, who are just depth pieces for them. Yeah, uh, you also have Pineda on this list for Minnesota, which I thought was 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 funny. Um, but because if Pineda's on that list, then Hap's on the list. Uh, Pineda's actually having a far better season than Jay Hap, like not even close. But he's still bad. The, 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 that's the point. Like he's not really he's not really an option. He's not one of those. I mean, if Pineda's an option, you're in big trouble. I agree. <laughs> Stats say otherwise when compa- Pineda compared to other Yankees starting pitchers. Stats are, been, stats are stupid. He's okay, horrible. <laughs> but uh, even uh, even you look at Minnesota, they have uh, Barrios, who we have not seen yet this year. And I think if the Yankees are to face the Twins in the playoffs, that is a big thing. They have The Yankees have not seen the Twins' best starting pitcher yet. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, but again, who knows if we're even going to play them. So that's, that's a thing. Like, yeah, I, I know. Uh, then we have... But but even I, I look I feel good I feel I feel fi- confident at this point right now looking the way the guys are going Herman is still pitching well like still happening guys going out there pitching well Paxton probably getting getting to his best stuff uh, Tanaka has been very good I know he didn't have a great outing the last time but has been very good uh, over the last month so yeah I feel I feel good about it I think that that some of these guys would absolutely uh, want want our our boys on the team. Um, a quick sign up before I forget the going to Seattle Wednesday, uh, Wednesday scheduled starters Paxton versus justice Sheffield. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Yeah. So that'll be interesting. Circle that Sheffield one. Sheffield's been struggling this year. He got sent back down to double a at some point. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's got like, there's, I don't even know. I don't, this may be his second or third start in the bigs, but, um, it's just, if he it's pitches well against the Yankees, get ready for a Twitter meltdown. I kind of hope he pitches well against the Yankees and the Yankees still win the game, but just so I can see Twitter meltdown. I love, you know, it's like that line from Batman, some some men just like to watch the world burn. Sometimes I just like to watch Twitter burn. Occasionally it's fun, but <laughs> I, I'd prefer it not to as well. Uh, again, though, I come back to the Yankees have Tanaka, Pax, and Herman, and then a Severino question mark and an opener. That is their 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 playoff rotation, which the depth thing is is a concern i think going into the playoffs again you know we could talk about this for till our, till our uh you know till the cows come home but it doesn't change anything they can't unless brian cashman is going to go find some random triple a guy uh with a minor league contract and then he turns into aaron small for the last you know four weeks and then becomes a major factor in our playoff rotation nothing's changing Okay, so sitting here, August 26th, who do you feel best about in the starting rotation at this very moment? Got to be Herman. I mean, Herman has put together a, a, a complete season. I, like, I think we've seen some struggles, but, but when I see him go on the road at Dodger Stadium on Sunday Night Baseball against Clayton Kershaw and pitch the way he did, how can you not feel good about him? So if you're any of those other playoff teams, you're picking Herman off the Yankees to add to your starting rotation? Yeah, I'd say, I mean, I think they would take Tanaka and Paxton the way Paxton's been throwing. So they'd take all three? I think that they're all options, yes. Not Are, for, not, probably not for Houston, but... Houston, yeah, for that's the thing, though. Like, Houston would not start any of those three over Oakland three absolutely would. Had. Tampa and would. I, Minnesota yes, would. Yes, I agree. Agree, agree, agree. Cleveland probably would over Plesak. Plesak, yes, but not Bieber and Clevenger. No, Plesak probably. And then if Kluber comes back and he's healthy and... Carrasco, I know, is such a huge question mark because of the uh, leukemia, but he is 
he has been throwing bullpens. So he might be sort of one of these, like we talk about, just get me to four innings. Carrasco might be a four inning guy for them in the playoffs. Yeah. I don't know how they many. They did lose. They, lose, they lost Jose Ramirez this weekend. They, they did. They did. And I don't know how many. Hammett bone. The reason the Yankees can do this four inning thing is because of the bullpen. So I don't know how many other teams can, can get by. Solid. Cleveland's bullpen solid. It's not as deep as the Yankees. Yeah. The Yankees have a deep bullpen at this point, and they can, they can get by you know, with, with less starting pitching. So, Tim, Brian Cashman has been quoted as saying, by not signing Patrick Corbin, they had the money to sign players like LeMahieu and Adovino. Ignoring that they could have paid all of them if they didn't care about the luxury tax, which do you think is better, Corbin and no DJ and Adovino, or DJ and Otto but no Corbin? So quickly, I, I just war just to have like a summation total. LeMahieu's got 4.4 war, Adovino 1.4. That's 5.8 total versus Corbin's 4.0 war. I mean, I don't necessarily believe Cashman in the sense that it was one or the other, but... Um, no, that's kind of, that's, it's that's just, kind of a cop-out. It's Cashman talk is what it is. It's just, it's, yeah. it's just saying something to like try to glaze over what it, what, what it was. The fact is they weren't going to pay Corbin what, what he asked for. I kind of don't blame them. Like, yeah, he's making... But he, like you mentioned last week on the podcast, he's been worth that contract so far. Yes, I mean, he's playing that... He's that so far, he's that guy. There's no doubt. He's been that guy. Um, and he's and he's pitching very well. So yeah, I mean, hindsight, you're looking at what he's doing. The money, you're like, oh, okay, maybe it was worth it. But at the time, I think all a lot of people were like, yeah, that's a shit ton of money to pay that guy who has really not that long of a track record. And what I think Tim is missing as far as luxury tax goes, tax goes, the real thing is they could have signed Otto and Lemayhew, not signed Hap, and used Hap money to sign Corbin and then you could finagle the luxury tax so you could still be under it. You'd still have to commit the long-term dollars to Corbin, but as far as season to season luxury tax goes, they could have made it work. I mean, yeah, absolutely. If you're going to, it's it, so if I'm, if I'm playing uh, Monday, Monday morning quarterback with this whole off season plan and looking at what happened and what didn't happen, you circle J hat because he's been abysmal and you circled Corbin and you say, this guy's been very good and you pay him the extra money. It's easy. Right. It's really simple. But given the choice, make the hard decision. Corbin, but no LeMahieu and Otto, Come on. or vice versa. Come on. I know. It's, Come not, on. it's unfair because LeMahieu's having an MVP caliber season, <clears throat> and Adovino's been uh, a weapon out of the bullpen. But it's sort of like... I would let, um, I would let Patrick your, for, Corbin punch me in the face to keep LeMahieu on this team. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love him. I, he the, is becoming my favorite player in baseball. Absolutely. And I, I agree with you. I, I Give me Adovino and LeMahieu at this very point. But let's say we might have a different opinion come playoff time. If the Yankees starting rotation it goes out there and shits the bed, we might say, oh, they could have used Patrick Corbin over LeMahieu and Adovino. So it's, it's like all depends on what you just saw. That's it's sort of the frustrating thing about uh, going, uh, doing a podcast twice a week during the season. It's that the season is so long, but whatever just happened in the series you just watched or whatever just happened in the, the month of games you just watched, it's sort of like what the narrative is. And you have to try and remember, I try and, to the best of my ability, look at the entire thing and say, okay, how is this in context? Because LeMahieu has been the Yankees' most valuable player this year. Adovino has been solid, rock solid out of the bullpen all year. You're going to give that up just because Patrick Corbin's been one of the 20 best starting pitchers in baseball? I don't know. So. No, you're not. You're not going to give that up. If anybody says anything against DJ LeMahieu, we got problems. <laughs> uh, Drew Pintus, what do you think about trading Duhar in the offseason? He will obviously have great trade value. 
having DJ and Gio allows for this, I believe. This is also assuming we re-sign Didi, even if Gio turns out to be a fluke of some sort. We have guys like Tario or even the dreadful Tyler Wade if we need them. Ultimately, Gio will be the utility guy, so even if he turns into a 230 hitter, it's not the worst thing. Voigt, Glaber, Didi, DJ plus Gio as the utility for the infield sounds good. All right. Shaking your head. Yeah, well, I mean, I understand like the 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 reasoning behind the like the sentiment of the question I think is is uh is is a good question to ask, but I think a lot of Drew's reasons in here I don't agree with. First of all, I don't think he has great trade value. I think he's probably a doesn't have trade value. The That's, fact the fact that they have DJ and Geo actually hurts his trade value. The fact yep. that he was injured hurts his trade value. Yep. So no, we're, his highest trade value was now very clear after his rookie year and 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 you know should have been the rookie of the year. That was his peak. That was but you couldn't trade him at that point. I don't even know was that his peak because the Yankees did not want to give him up for Garrett Cole prior to 2017. So before his rookie season, he was the centerpiece in the Garrett Cole trade that the Yankees said no to. So maybe that was his tra- his peak trade value. Uh, maybe. They could have gotten Garrett Cole for him. Okay, well if you're if you're comparing possibly, uh, the, so it's it's almost like you know we he's still that prospect spat- status and people love that. Whereas you have a guy that's done it in the major leagues. See, I don't. I think that if you see a guy that's done it in the major leagues, you're still your your value is higher. I just don't think it was talked about as much at that point. I think he still would. Have well, I think his. defense. I think defense also. Um, and Garrett Cole wasn't the Houston. Value. And Garrett Cole wasn't didn't no, have the but he was, under the uh, year he had under Houston. So it's also hindsight looking at that. He he looks like a better value now. But if you're looking, if you're a team looking to trade for Miguel mm-hmm. Andujar, don't you think you're an, a National League team a little afraid to trade for him? Oh, because of the defense. Yeah, possibly. Uh, yeah, I see that. Okay. Um, either way, arguably highest trade value. It's it. Either way, it's gone. <laughs> that is gone. Now he's a bad defender who's coming off an injury on a team that has third baseman, you know, a, a depth guy. Uh, the se- and, the- and with a third baseman who's outproducing him in every way. Yeah. Uh, and Duhar fan Fangraph war last year, 2.7, 128 WRC plus Urshela so far this year, three war, 145 WRC plus. Yeah. I, I, He's demolishing his stats. And the narrative of this, uh, the defensive metrics too, with him being like, and I just, I can't get there after seeing some of the plays that he made this weekend too, just make unbelievable plays look routine. No, but Urshela's defensive metrics are far and away better than Andujar's. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not, they're I'm just, not comparing They're that. closer to league average, which is not what your eyes tell you. And Duhar's, you look at, look at him with your eyes, and you say, that's a bad third baseman. And then you look at his advanced metric, and you say, yeah, that's a bad third baseman. <laughs> so they, they tell you what you already know. Good, good to know that. The, uh, the, the nice thing about um, when you see... So I do think that they're probably going to look at him. I, I also think they're going to look at... Now you have to look at Andujar at other positions. To me, you have to look at him as a potential left fielder. You have to look at him as a potential first baseman and see what what you can do there. If there's if there's more that you can squeeze out of him, um, whether he's on your team or as a trade piece to show that he can do these things. Because right now on this team, moving forward, you go look at 2020. Like he's not the third baseman. He's not. He got Wally pipped. Like absolutely, that happened. And Andujar um, is in a tough spot. I think for the bat still there. We know that. But the defense isn't there, and and now there's a guy that can play defense better and shows that he can play offense. So the other thing is that I don't think Gio's a, I don't think he's a utility guy either. He's a third baseman. Um, I also would like to know what Andujar would have done offensively this year. With clearly offense is up this year. 
Yeah. So to compare Urshela's WRC plus 145 to Andujar's 128 last year, and you say, oh, wow, Urshela is having a way better season than Andujar. Well, what if, how do we factor in the increased juice ball and like all these home runs being up and, and just overall offense being up? So if you give Andujar that bump, maybe he's having a similar season to Urshela. Uh, you know, it's totally fair. We don't know. With the, Whose with, bat do you have more? Assuming both fully healthy. Oh, I want in 2020. You have more confidence in Duhar's bat than Urshela's bat. I do too. Well, yeah, because, you know, I mean, Miguel Andujar has been an offensive player his whole career. Like, coming up, we knew, we knew that the offense was, was his, was his um, you know, calling card. Urshela, no. Like, so it's, it's more of a, if we're looking at confidence going into another year, like, I still think Andujar is going to produce at a high level. I have no reason to say that Urshela's not. But, you know, I think when you're talking about talent-wise, as far as, like, the um, offensive skills, like, I'd rather have Andujar probably. And you I would definitely rather have Andujar. got Wally Pipps, so he's not going to be the third baseman next year. Do you, do you think there's even going to be a competition in spring training? I think they'll, they'll probably talk about it. But, again, I think that they need to look at if they're going to maximize value of Andujar, and honestly, for Andujar's personal sake of being a long-term piece on the Yankees or somewhere else, at this point, I think he does have to look at other positions. Yeah, and unfortunately, he's not a capable enough defender where you can say, oh, he's going to play a little first base and a little third base for us next year. He's just not, he's not capable of doing that. He needs to just be at a position and be at that position. Or he's a DH. <laughs> and not many DH, teams so. want to pay like a young DH like that. Like you, Usually, you, you kind of age your way into a DH spot, not start off in a DH spot. And he doesn't give the Yankees good value at DH because you've no. got Stanton, who needs DH time. you got Judge, who's going to need DH time. But I'm saying you've somewhere else. I'm, I'm, all, all I'm looking guys. at everything else for him because if we're looking at trade value, then uh, American League DH is certainly a possibility if you have the flexibility. Um, all right, so we've got uh, one final thing. It's not really a question, it's just a thought from Lee Jones. He submits mailbags all the time from Liverpool, England. He says, not a question, but feel free to use it. I've loved the chats about robo-umps and Scott's mentions of Hawkeye in tennis. An even better comparison is goal line technology, also pioneered by Hawkeye, which has been in football, soccer, for about four years. Seriously, Google this stuff. You'll be well impressed. It came about due to the number of instances where it wasn't clear if the ball had completely gone over the line prior to a goal line clearance by a defender. These were routinely called incorrectly and were obviously very costly. Ever since Hawkeye has been brought, there's been zero incorrect calls and we're talking uh, accurate to within millimeters. The referee wears a watch that vibrates if the ball has crossed the line so there's no delays in play and no arguing by the players as they trust the technology. This would be perfect for Major League Baseball if it weren't, uh, and it wouldn't even affect the umpire's jobs as they could still be there to call balls and strikes. They'd just be wearing some sort of vibrating watch or, or something to indicate some ball indicator, or yeah. strike. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's well. To, well, I think to call balls and strikes that would be tough. That'd be like too too instant. I don't know how, how that would work, but um, no. Lee, Lee's he's he's talked about this uh, this Hawkeye stuff of. Um, uh, sent in mailbags and yeah, the, the, the Hawkeye technology, it's been around in tennis for a while. So that, that's kind of where I've seen it. I don't really watch soccer very much. Um, so I didn't know about the, uh, the implementation until Lee put it there, but it makes a lot of sense. I mean, when you, either way, the technology can, can make all of the decisions for you and it's, it is there. It is accurate. It is, it is there. And it, you have the trust of the fans, the trust of the, the sport, the trust of the players that this technology is correct 
to, like he said, down to the millimeter. Like you're going down to specific laser point. That we've gone, we're, we're not at the glowing puck days anymore. You know, like we can identify where balls are on a field, you know, down to the smallest spec. So I, I think it's uh, the fact that they're going to this next year. I'm really interested to see how that's going to work. Not only for the on play, but I know the fact that they're using this Hawkeye to really boost the um, the advanced technology too, the the metrics. Like all the nerds are like, <laughs> you know, they're 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 doing their a rod laugh because they're they're giddy, so excited and giddy to the amount of numbers that they're going to have uh, additional to what they already have. Like the amount of acronyms that we can come up with now that I think that Hawkeye <laughs> comes in. Like we we could we could use Hawkeye technology to calculate BWIPs, no problem, no problem. Well, it also, I think, he mentioned the players trust the, trust the technology. I think would be important for both pitchers and batters to trust the technology. Yeah. And I think you would, it would change the game significantly. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And Because and, you already have it. We've seen it done in other sports, and we've seen it done well. Um, and it's instant. Like you said, the, the watches uh, that, the, that the refs are wearing in soccer, that's cool. Like, it vibrates if it goes over. Like, that, it definitively tells you yes or no. Um, the, with tennis, the chair umpire can make a call immediately because what they do is they go to the Hawkeye and you see the zooming in of the ball. The whole crowd kind of like plays with it now too. It's like you, you hear the hum of like the ball zooming into the line and then you, uh, you, you get like the immediacy of the call. Yes or no. And that's it. That's it. There's no random dude in a, in a, in a closet in New York in, in Chelsea. I don't have to hear about that anymore. Like that's, that's it. We're seeing it. And I think being visible to the eye is a huge part of having the um, the dependency and, and the you know the um, the confidence of the players and the fans. You got to see it with your own eyes to have that confidence. Absolutely, and I think we're, we're trending that way. Not twenty twenty, not twenty twenty one. Maybe something after the next. CBA. I think twenty twenty, we're going to see some stuff. Well, CBA is up in twenty twenty one. Yeah, That's but when but, it'll but be the, renegotiated. But the so Hawkeye technology is coming. Some in. Stuff then. Yeah. Yeah, so we're gonna I, see, we're gonna. I, see I think it. it. I think it will improve the game. It's gonna, gonna make uh, for some less frustrating umpire calls, which is good. That's gonna do it for mailbags. Again, bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast to submit mailbags. I want to also um, reiterate we part the Cameron Maben stuff. So yeah, we mentioned it last week. Maben's mission to support Wear Dream in Harlem. There's the Hug Season shirts on the website. Um, go to Bron- the fan shop in Bronx Pinstripes. You can support uh, Cameron Maben's foundation. 100% of the proceeds for the t-shirts are going to the foundation. Um, he tweeted out some pictures of him wearing the shirts in the dugout. He was on uh, CC's podcast. So really cool thing to see a Yankees player, a fan favorite Yankees player so far this year, wearing one of the Bronx Pinstripes t-shirts for a good cause. Go check it out. Uh, any last words, Scott? Yeah, you're gonna you're, you're gonna see a lot more of uh, of that tea uh, this upcoming week as well, and into the homestand. Uh, so I'm excited for that. But and we're also going to be adding uh, some children's sizes, some women's uh, women's cuts for it as well. So there's going to be more of a collection on the site for that. Um, I, I know this is also going out there real quick. The uh, there there have been a bunch of, of people that that make t-shirts and and, and things that uh, that have been affected by this too. But guys, if you're if you're buying shirts from uh, whoever it is, but if it's one of ours. Just make sure you're buying it from the site because if you're not, you're probably getting it from some weird app that's stealing everybody's designs. It's happening all over the place. The print quality is not going to be there because they don't have the original design. What they're doing is they're stealing it from the web, which makes it pixelated and shitty, and the design is not going to print well. It's just going to be bad. 
Don't buy it from them. There are a bunch of scam artists out there. It's 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 irritating uh, to to people who are who spend the time to design it. You're not supporting whoever does that. So don't do it. Please don't go on these like T-Chip and all these other bullshit sites that are that are stealing designs from everybody. It's not just us. It's everybody. Um, buy it from the people who actually uh, who who made them and, and sell them. Out. Especially like people are, are are stealing a charity shirt and putting it up <laughs> on websites and 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 trying to get people to buy it. Like don't it's- do that. I mean, the internet, that's when you just, like, sometimes I just look at the internet and, I'm, and I say, nah, what an annoying entity. Yeah. Just but, like but go algorithms on. versus algorithms just stealing shit. Go check it out. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's some, a lot of really good, cool things that are uh, happening with the fan shop. We've, we have a ton of stuff on there. Um, and then partnering with Maven has been a lot of fun. Uh, also, one thing. So we've gotten to, we got a few voicemails in this, this, this week. Uh, honestly, there weren't enough good voicemails for us to play. And when I say good, I mean like quality good or just, you know, like, I don't care what you say on there. I don't care if you swear. I don't care. Just make it like some, somewhat, somewhat like that listenable. That's all. That's all I'm asking. Like, that's all we're asking. But we've had in the past some really good calls. We got to, you guys got to step it up. Like that's, that's the bottom line. We've had some really good mailbags, but the only way the voicemail segment works is if we see people calling in about passionate things that they want to know about, that they want to get off their chest and, and put some good stuff onto the voicemail line. I love it. I love hearing from you guys. I love putting that together and hearing all the passion from everybody else, but you got to bring it. We can't do these half-ass voicemails and then, and then, uh, and then us playing. Cause we're not, you can't play it like the half-ass stuff. It's just not enough. So we're going to save a couple of the ones from this week. And hopefully play them next week. But we got to show up. Like, we need every all of you guys to show up. 646-480-0342. 15 seconds. 30 seconds. Give us your best 30 seconds about what happened over the weekend. What's happening uh, on the diet. There's a lot of things happening. And I know people are passionate about it. Uh, so so call into that, that voicemail line. Again, 646-480-0342. Give it a call. Get your voice on the show. Uh, and be heard. Let's do it. Way to go, everyone. You made Scott mad. That's, that's bad. All right, we'll talk to you Thursday. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it, and go Yankees.